This podcast is supported by Sprint GP, a new online racing game that allows users to create a unique team centered around ownership and strategy. Sprint GP is a data-driven ecosystem with ties to ground truth to simulate realistic race events for users. The goal is simple, build a race team, enter events, earn payouts and points, increase the value of your digital asset. In Sprint GP, you are not only a team owner, but you're a racing coach. To learn more about the Sprint GP racing environment, head on over to SprintGP.com and join the racing community today. Hey everyone, welcome back to Racing to Win, brought to you by Apex 146. I'm your host, Julia Robinson. Hello, hello. Got Connor here with us again today. Connor, how we doing? Doing great. How are you? Very good. Very excited for this podcast episode today. We're going to be talking about Jack Miller as he transitions from Ducati to KTM. But before that, I wanted to talk a little bit about our racing on Sprint GP. So Sprint GP is a new online racing game. The motorcycle events are open Open Wheel is coming soon as well, which will be really fun because you can build a team across two different sports. But I've been doing quite a bit of motorcycle racing. Uh, All the entries are waived right now. So you're playing for free, learning more about your racer, building stats, and it's been really exciting. And I know, Connor, you've been racing as well, right? I have. It's been quite the learning curve figuring out the strategy aspect to this game, but depending on the amount of laps and which traits my racer has, I can try and figure out which races I have the best chance of actually placing well in. Yeah, it's definitely a strategy-based game and really understanding your athlete's performance characteristics, traits, using the indexes provided by Apex 146. We're definitely able to fine-tune our racers and figure out where we're setting them up for success. So, It's been fun so far. Head on over to SprintGP.com, grab your racer, enter some races, race against me and Connor. It's a good time. The clones are sure looking slick though. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of great just aesthetics to the game too. Um, SprintGP did a really great job with all their Unity development. So you get a race above some yachts in the ocean and some dunes. I think they have some other scenes coming out, but there's definitely a great diverse set available. But now as we switch from our racing, to MotoGP racing, we're going to talk about Jack Miller, the factory Ducati rider who is transitioning to KTM next year, 2023. He will be Brad Binder's new teammate. He still has half a season left alongside Bagnaya uh, on the factory Ducati team. He's been with Ducati since 2018. So it's been, a you know, a solid length ride with them, but time for a change, I guess. So let's dive in. Jack Miller, huh? How about we discuss his mental game? I know he's been through the ringer a little bit with contract renewal throughout the years. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, that's definitely one thing also he's you know been pretty vocal about is that he has had to go every single year without like a two-year contract. So he's had renewals and extensions, but every single year he enters the season without a confirmed seat for the next year. And I do think that that has had a bit of a weight on his shoulders, just constantly having to watch his back and prove himself and just constantly trying to one-up his teammate to really prove that he deserves that seat for next year. Yeah, so this KTM deal is the first multi-year contract he's had since Honda back, what, 
five years ago. So this must be a big confidence boost. I know it must be mentally taxing to constantly have to justify your ride for the following year. Yeah, I think that the confidence boost is going to be pretty big for him. He definitely has his ups and downs. You can definitely tell how Jack Miller is feeling when you're watching him on the camera and whatnot. So I do think that when he's on a high, he's able to ride that out. And then he does have his lows and goes through some, you know, rough patches here and there. But I agree, you know, finishing out the season on the factory Ducati team with a two-year deal lined up with KTM, that's huge mentally. Plus KTM wanting to bring their bike from a competitive ride to a top placing ride more consistently. They're going to be very happy to have Miller on for more than just one year so that they can continue developing their bike into a more competitive ride. Yeah, I totally agree also that a team such as KTM can benefit a lot from having a rider such as Miller who's been in the series for so long. He's been in MotoGP for I think seven years and so Having all of his experience on the circuit, he's been with Honda, he's been with Ducati now since 2018, and so he just brings a lot of years and experience to KTM, a bit more than Brad Binder, but, you know, I really think, again, Paul Spargo was pivotal in developing the KTM team, so definitely excited to see Miller continue in that path, and, you know, they have Danny Pedrosa as their test rider, so I think they have a pretty strong lineup. So if we start to narrow in on Miller himself and his performance, leveraging some of the performance indexes from Apex 146, I mean, just overview, it's no secret, Jack has had his high highs and low lows, especially with Ducati. And it's definitely mentally draining for a rider to have a bike that he's so confident and just nails it one weekend. And then the next weekend is just hitting a wall, you know, one lap after another and really struggling to find that perfect setup. So you know, especially when you have a teammate perhaps that is excelling on the bike and then you're constantly running into issues. That is definitely the case for a handful of teams this year. Look at Yamaha. They tend to have a bike that is, you know, fit for Quattro but the other Yamahas are struggling on it. So that's definitely one big piece that is mentally taxing is all these high highs and low lows. So I would say that overall, we have not seen the most consistent performance race to race from Miller that's you know no secret but he definitely remains hungry and I would say that his mental strength through all of these years is really impressive and I think that will play a big role with his success with KTM. So looking at this current season we're in 2022 he's in 7th place he's got 3 podiums, 2 front row starts and 2 DNFs. What do you have on that? Yeah I mean he's in a pretty good place it's funny he's right behind his future teammate brad binder in the championship rankings and we're going to touch on brad versus jack at the end of this because they're a pretty interesting comparison but yes he does have three podiums we have 11 races down so that's you know pretty good but in between those podiums we have seen him definitely have some lower points and that goes back towards you know, his fluctuation in performance. He's definitely been able to improve his qualifying position. We've seen two front row starts for him, but generally speaking, he is starting higher on the grid. And what he's really being able to do here is get off the grid in a very strong manner. So unlike some people that maybe qualify really well and then they get engulfed in the pack right off the grid, Jack is doing a really good job this year about getting off the grid and getting out in front. What we see is that 
during the race, there's a quite a bit of volatility in his position. So he gets stuck in battles with other riders. He's not necessarily one to check out and start creating this massive gap. And so as we get into the indexes, that's something that we'll see is that his actual volatility is quite high. And that definitely plays a role, for example, in his deterioration. He is somebody that we do see can start falling behind. Texas is a great example. He got a really great start off the grid. Ultimately, we saw him start to fall back. He did lose that second place. He still finished on the podium, which was great. He definitely is very strong in Texas, but his net movement during a race tends to go backwards. And that is obviously not what you want. You always want to finish ahead of where you started if possible. So we are seeing him definitely get a little bit more stuck in battles. I feel like getting stuck in these battles with some of the other top riders results in some deterioration for Jack Miller, which is why he struggles a bit to to finish in a higher place than where he qualifies. But I think one could say that it'd be a bad day to be a tire on Jack Miller's bike during these race days. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes the races are better than others. I do think also, even if he does struggle with deterioration, he's really able to bite his lip and push through it. So we saw that, I want to say it was 2019 in Texas. He had like a massive chunk missing from one of his tires by the end of the race. And he said himself that he was just a sitting duck. But he, you know, has the nerve to keep pushing even when he has sketchy grip or when there's mixed conditions. Jack Miller is always somebody to watch when there is a wet race. So I really think that he has the nerve that some riders lack to be able to push in not ideal conditions, let's just say. So last year we did see Jack Miller finish the championship in fourth place. So one thing to note is that the past two years, so 2021 and 2020, Jack Miller had more front row starts than podiums. So that means that he does actually have a pretty strong qualifying. In 2021, we saw eight front row starts, but we only saw five podiums. Ideally, you want to see that number even or more podiums than front row starts because a front row start does not get you championship points. He does tend to have um, around four DNFs actually almost every single year. Now, again, some of those can be mechanical. He did have a mechanical retirement this year, but the consistency in the finishing position, again, is where you really can gain or lose a lot of championship points to your opponents depending on where you sit in the rankings. So, so far he has two front row starts, three podiums. That's a really good place to be going given that the podiums are higher. That's why we are seeing him sitting in seventh right now and we still have half the season to go. So hopefully... You know, we'll see him continue to qualify well, continue to get a good start off the grid as we've seen. What we need to see now is him being able to hold that position and start to create gaps without starting to fall back and getting stuck in these battles with his opponents. As you mentioned, that consistency sure is key. Can you give us a quick overview of the last few years of Miller's time in this premier class? Yes. So let's see here. Currently sitting in seventh, uh, his highest final position for the world championship was in 2021 when he finished fourth. Otherwise, he tends to finish seventh, eighth. Uh, 2018, he did finish 13th, but his qualifying has definitely fluctuated. 2020 and 2021, we saw his highest average qualifying. He was definitely qualifying onto the second row pretty consistently. We are seeing his average this year fall more around like sixth or seventh, so between the second and third row, we do tend to see Miller 
in Q2. So that's he's got that going for him. His average finishing position this year is not as strong, but again, we're only halfway through the season. So historically speaking, at least 2019 through 2021, his average finishing position was somewhere between like 7th and 8th position. Uh, right now it stands around 10th. And, you know, he does have those really strong podium finishes, but he's going to have to keep that up if we want to bump up the average final position. What was that last year? It seemed like Jack was either deep in the pack or on the podium. It was pretty impressive. The races that he did just come out and crush it. But can we go over the average net and volatility of his races? Yes. So looking on an annual basis, and again, net is just how many positions you either gained or lost from start to finish. The volatility is the number of times your position changed. And so Unfortunately, Jack Miller's average net tends to be very close to zero or negative, which means he doesn't actually make up a lot of positions between the flags. He tends to finish around where he started or behind. That's no secret. We already talked about that. Uh, So far, his average net is actually negative one, which means, you know, he's finishing just behind of where he started. So average volatility is pretty darn high which is not ideal because that is again what plays into the deterioration he changes position a lot but it doesn't come with the reward of finishing incredibly far ahead of where you started so again someone like you know obviously mark marquez but alex rins is really good at picking through a pack very efficiently and not wasting time and so his volatility usually matches his net so every time he makes a pass he holds it Jack, we tend to see have a little bit more battles lap to lap. And so his average volatility, like just looking from 2018 through 2022, his average volatility falls between like six and nine. So uh, matching that against his net where he's barely making up or losing any positions, that's not really ideal. With that said, he does tend to race in a very competitive like group during the race. Um, So, you know, that midsection towards the front it's usually pretty tight there. I know a lot of these MotoGP riders ride dirt bikes as some cross training, but I know Jack does ride them quite a bit. And just growing up, he's got a solid dirt biking background. Do you think this helps when he is caught in a really competitive tight group? Yeah. And I think it also helps him in the mixed conditions. I do feel like the racers that are heavy into motocross are able to handle the bike in different conditions, but also just like manhandle it, which is one reason I think he's going to do pretty darn well on ktm i mean you ride motocross what do you what's your take on that well i have seen him slide that ducati yeah. <laughs> around quite a bit in the last couple of years and it you, it definitely shows that he knows how to slide a dirt bike yeah i do think that that helps a lot and i think that is really contributes to the nerve he's able to have in mixed conditions and when his tires are starting to suffer um i think that you do see his motocross background come out yeah i feel like you and miller would get along well like to play with farm equipment and ride dirt bikes. And he's known as the prankster in the pit, right? Yeah, so you two would be two peas in a pod. Uh, but circling back to him in the pit and whatnot, why don't we transition to him and Brad Binder as teammates? You know, their personalities, their riding styles, their performance. It's going to be pretty interesting because my perspective is that they have basically opposite strengths and weaknesses. And so if you were to combine them, It would create one magic racer, but maybe they'll be able to learn from each other, especially as they learn more about the KTM. Yeah, I think that they'll be a good pair together for exactly that reason. What are their biggest opposites? 
or strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. So last week we talked about Brad Bender and he lacks the qualifying, but what he's really very successful at is strategically passing and keeping his efficiency up. And so what we just talked about with Miller is, you know, he's able to get a good qualifying position, get off the grid well, but then he tends to have quite a bit of volatility in his per, uh, in his position. And so they tend to finish very close to each other by the end of the race, even though they start very far away. And that's because Brad Bender is climbing through the pack and Brad and sorry, Jack Miller is starting to fall a little bit behind. And so they are ranked sixth and seventh in the championship together. But if you look at their starting positions, you wouldn't know that they were finishing right next to each other. So, you know, I do think that it'll be an adjustment when Jack goes to the KTM and we'll see how his qualifying and his, you know, starts off the grid turn out. But I'm hoping that they'll be able to learn, you know, from each other because they definitely have opposite strengths and weaknesses. And obviously it's race to race, but that's just generally speaking. Racing to Win is supported by Sprint GP, a simulation-based game that thrives off skill, strategy, and community. Motorcycle racing is well underway, and Open Wheel is to follow soon. Join the community and build your team of racers. Compete against friends and build your statistics around your racers. To learn more about this unique racing environment, head to SprintGP.com and build your legacy today. From my observation, the riders that are on Ducati seem to manhandle those things quite a bit. So given that Jack's been on Ducati for so long, he's probably going to bring those same ways over to KTM. How do you think he's going to do with the KTM, given that the bike has different attributes? I mean, definitely every bike is very, very different. But I personally think that Jack switching to KTM is going to be a smoother transition than like Jack going to Yamaha or like Aprilia for example they just the riding styles of the riders that do succeed on those manufacturers are just so different and I think that you know Jack is a very different rider than like Rins and Mir for example and those two are so agile and swift and then Miller's just like putting down the hammer and pushing through all these varying conditions with the nerve that he has that I just I see that he's more similar to Brad Bender in his riding style so I think it'll you know it'll be exciting (laughs) you never know how it's gonna go when someone switches because it also just you know totally depends on how the manufacturer is doing that year do you think their personalities are similar or do you think those are different I mean I think I think they seem similar, not that I've ever met either of them, but, you know, I I don't know if there's going to be the same level of, like, competitiveness. Bagnaya and Miller get along really well. I would say those two are very, very good teammates. There's definitely some that clash here and there, but overall, I think that Miller could get along with just about anyone. He's really focusing on himself and his personal performance, especially with the ups and downs he has. It's not, you know, aimed towards his teammate or anything. So, and Brad's just really always doing his own thing. I think that they're going to get along great. And I think that, you know, they'll be able to learn a lot from each other, but I'm sure Brad will also really like having such an experienced rider, you know, right next door to him. Yes, I agree with that one. I think the reason that they're so close together in the championship is that Jack has been getting some solid finishes under his belt to keep those points up. But like you mentioned earlier, his volatility is not too hot. So 
Brad, on the other hand, with the more consistent finish position, he's been able to stay right next to Jack in the championship points. Yeah, and that's really why Brad is ranked you know, one ahead of Jack is because he's just consistently finishing mid-pack and slowly accumulating those points. And Jack is slightly all over the map with podiums and then ending in the back half and whatnot. So I don't know. The second half of the season is going to be really interesting. Um, what race we have? They're going back to... Silverstone. Yes, Silverstone. And, and then and then we've got Red Bull Ring in Austria, which is pretty big for KTM given that it's Red Bull KTM and it's in Austria where KTM is founded headquartered and manufactured at yeah and you know speaking of home races the did he do round 18 is in australia for jack miller and there's always something special about being at your home race so definitely an exciting lineup for the second half of the season Competition's going to be stiff we'll see if alicia spargro can surpass quattraro at all in those championship points and we definitely have some more exciting contracts announcements coming up there's i think only like half the seats are actually confirmed for next year so you know i foresee perhaps at least one retirement announcement maybe some series switches and we'll see if any rookies make it up into moto gp it's always awesome watching a rookie's first year coming into the premier class some of them just come guns blazing like jorge martin for example and then others have a more gradual growth to the upper half of the pack yeah, a little bit of an underwhelming performance per se, but you do see those tend to be the more sustainable riders. And I think comparing some of Jorge Martin's opponents in 2021 to him, you see that today. So yeah, lots of exciting things to come. Thank you all for joining Racing to Win, brought to you by Apex 146. As always, thank you, Connor. Thank you. And we will be back next week. We are going to be talking about the rise of Aprilia. Alicia Spargo, Maverick Vinales, and how that manufacturer has really climbed to the top this year. If you enjoyed listening to Racing to Win, be sure to join us every single Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for live Twitter space, where we discuss the latest podcast episode, the MotoGP season as a whole, and take live questions from listeners. These Twitter spaces are co-hosted by Apex 146 and Sprint GP. To learn more about the Apex 146 analytics platform or the Sprint GP online racing environment, be sure to follow them both on Twitter, Instagram, check out their websites, and join the Discord, where you can ask questions, be part of discussions, and join the community. Thank you again for joining Racing to Win, brought to you by Apex 146. I'm your host, Julia Robinson, and we will be back next Tuesday to discuss the rise of Aprilia.